0: Hello, and welcome to Hope for the Heart. We are continuing our verse-by-verse study in the book of Revelation today, and uh, we are in chapter 4, which uh, to me is one of the very exciting things, is to begin chapter 4 and begin to work our way through. We've covered the first part of the book of Revelation by looking at the seven churches of Asia Minor, and so now we're in chapter 4, and John has been called up to heaven and told to write the things that he had seen, which is the vision of Christ himself in chapter 1. And then he said to write the things which are pertaining to the church age, he gave us the seven letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor. And we said those represent all of the church age, from A.D. 100 all the way through today up until the time of the rapture. And so John wrote those letters, which were very, very real letters, to very real churches and very real places, pastored by very real pastors. But they also represent periods of time from 100 A.D. all the way through the church age. In fact, we even made the point of comparison that the, two, the last two churches, of the letters to Asia, seven churches of Asia Minor, which is uh, the message to the church of Philadelphia and the message to the church of Laodicea, refer to the times in which we are living. And so John has been told to write now the things that take place after these things, after the things related to by the seven churches. And so what we are seeing here is that John is now beginning in chapter 4 writing about the things that are going to take place after the church has been raptured out. That becomes very important because because when the judgment starts in chapter 6, we are already have been we have already been raptured and we are in Heaven, And so John sees that. He doesn't see the actual rapture, but he sees what we have been calling in verse uh, chapter uh, 4, verse 4, the 24 thrones. And we've been identifying those. So let me give you the context again, beginning in verse 4 of chapter 4 of the book of Revelation. The word of God reads, beginning in verse 4, And around the throne were 24 thrones, and upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting. Clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads, and we've begun to identify those in that chapter as looking at the elders, referring to uh, the the glorified in the crowned church, having already been raptured. Now we're going to conclude then that it followed the thought. If you have a coronated, crowned which is what this says in verse 4, exalted, glorified church in heaven, you have to have had a rapture. This then becomes, and I said last time, that it becomes an important text for looking at and defending what is known as a pre-tribulational rapture. In other words, the church goes pre-trib, pre-tribulation, before the tribulation period. And that becomes interesting for us to see. But I want to put that on pause for just a minute because I want to still deal with the thing that I saw in chapter 4, verse 2, a throne was standing in heaven and one sitting on the throne. And we said that the throne is not in a palace, the throne is in a temple. And that the temple isn't a building, it is a person. That we're actually I really want to emphasize that. The temple isn't a building as such, but it is a person. And so uh, with that, I want you to look over or think about this. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures, because I know that some listen to these without a copy of the scriptures. It says in chapter 21, uh, verse 22, I saw no temple in it for the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And it's referring to heaven. And so here in chapter 4 we're saying there is a temple, uh, that the, the throne is in the temple, and yet this in Revelation 21 it says there is no temple. And so I want to uh, justify that and give you something, because throughout the book of Revelation it speaks of the throne and it speaks about the temple and it links as i pointed out to you last time that the temple uh with the throne but when you get to chapter one it becomes a little confusing so i want you to understand and it becomes easy even more interesting to understand this now in chapter four as we move through because everywhere you see the temple you're which it's talking about god and so let me give you an example of that look uh, uh, every time it's talking about a throne it's talking about a throne is in a temple so look at verse uh, four. There is twenty-four now thrones around the one sitting on the throne, and so verse five. And from the throne, that can mean that it's going to mean something else. Now that we're going to give you a different definition, it says uh, this. What I'm saying this is important because we see that God Himself is the actual temple. God is His own temple in which His own throne exists. There is a temple in heaven, but it isn't a building. It's a person. It's the very person of God himself. He himself is the temple. So when we look in verse, things like chapter 4, verse 5, and from the throne, it really means from God, uh, proceeds flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And then in verse 6, and before the throne, actually can read, before God himself, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like Crystal, And then in the center and around the throne, in other words, in the center of where this person is and around God himself, uh, four living creatures full of eyes in, in front, in in front and behind. And so it, it really begins to change the meaning some. So you see the immenseness of God. He is in the temple. He himself is the throne, no doubt, as well as the one sitting on it, and what John is seeing here is not a chair in a building its it's it's we're seeing God himself, he is simply seeing the symbol of the sovereignty of God in the very temple of God, which of course is the infinite presence of God himself and so when you look in Chapter Four, you begin to note this that there is a throne, and the throne is in the temple, but the temple in reality is God himself and the Lamb. And so that becomes very important. And so last week we began to identify around that throne, around the presence of God, there seems to be a joint leadership or a sharing of this rulership in heaven. There is a a joint reigning that seems to be taking place when he says, I saw thrones and those who sat upon them Judgment was given to them. This is what we find in Revelation chapter twenty, and so there's a shared rulership, and we it becomes very important to identify that as uh, as best we can, even though it doesn't tell us specifically, which keeps us from dogmatically saying that it is the church. I'm still going to reach out and say it is the church. We have every reason to believe it is the church. There is nothing else. We saw the three clues that it gives us. They're called elders, they're clothed in white garments, and they have golden crowns on their heads, all speaking of the church itself. And so when we we begin to identify this, we also said that there is uh, in all likelihood it is definitely speaking of people here, not angels, because of the use of the word elder. Uh, It's never related to specifically on elders, Uh, And so they're they're referred to by elders here, so this is people. But we also said that the white garments uh, represent clothed in white garments. Angels uh, do appear in times in white, but this is speaking specifically about a revelation, I mean about a salvation to the church itself. And then the third clue, and I'm only covering these quickly because we already covered them last time. Crowns were given, golden crowns on their head, and crowns are never promised to angels anywhere in the scriptures. Uh, Do we have any occasion in scripture to ever see an angel wearing one, particularly this kind, uh, which is uh, uh, not the crown of a king, this is the crown of a victor's crown. uh, Stephanos is the word used here. And so these could not be angels. And we also said this is probably not related to the Old Testament elders that are represented in the Old Testament genealogical line of the patriarchs or the 24 elders that uh, David appointed to the priesthood. Uh, Some point this out to be a representative group possibly referring to the nation of Israel. But how could it relate to Israel that we mentioned because Israel has not been saved yet? This is the point of the tribulation period. The tribulation period is God beginning to deal once again with the Jews and to uh, bring them to a point where all Israel is saved. So this is the very, very beginning of the tribulation period, so it can't be Israel. The 144,000 haven't even been appointed yet. And then it says, some people have pointed out, well, they're pre-tribulation, I mean, they're tribulation saints. Well, that's just about as impossible because the tribulation hasn't started yet. And so you have the 12, some people say well it's 12 of the apostles and represented by 12 of something else but there's no reason to split them. So I don't think it can represent the completed nation of Jews. I don't think it can associate with angels, tribulation saints uh, because of all that is about to happen on the earth and to the nation of Israel. And so while obviously you cannot be hard and fast which people say but I can because I, I I think I see every evidence pointing to this. I don't mean to be cocky about it or arrogant or rude to it or disrespectful, but I really believe this is the church. It seems to me to best see this 24 elders representing a coronated or crowned exalted raptured church. This is what makes the most sense to me. And that's where we left it last time looking at this. And so when we do look at this like this, we see that heaven is going to be a place where the church is mentioned many, many times. We see, uh, I mean, not the church mentioned many times. We see the elders are mentioned many times. Well, what heaven is this? Where is this? John 14 says, I've come to take you, and where where I go, there you may be also. So this is the place he's talking about. And so we see the 24 elders, which seems to represent the church, Uh, We we, we see in in all kinds of places where the elders are mentioned. And uh, one of the ways the elders are mentioned is uh, to uh, generally appearing with the four living creatures and with the angels. They participate in so many things in heaven. In fact, if you go to chapter 11, verse 15, the seventh angel sounded, and now you're really getting near the end of the tribulation period at this point And it says with a loud voice, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and is Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And Christ is going to take the world over. This is the end. And it says that the elders are observing this. And then it says in Revelation 11, verse 16, And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty who art, who was, because Thou hast Uh, taken thy great power and has begun to reign the 24 elders they're in heaven Uh, when the tribulation saints are converted they welcome them in in chapter 6 in Revelation chapter 14 uh, verse 1 I looked and behold the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion with 144,000 you remember that's 12,000 out of each of the 12 tribes of uh, Israel the Jews don't know what tribe they are but God does know what tribe they're in and so uh, the 144,000, they have a name that is uh, written on their forehead, the name of the Father. And I heard it with a voice from heaven, the voice of many waters, like the sound of thunder. And the voice which I heard was like the sound of uh, harps, uh, harps playing in, in heaven. And they sang a new song before the throne. And here's the song before the living creatures. And look at who sings it the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. And so I bring up all this just to say that I think all the evidence, in fact, we can go all the way from chapter 6 all the way to chapter 19, and we see no matter what occasion we look at, the elders are participating. Like, for example, Revelation chapter 19, as God is destroying the last whole world system. The system is known as the false religious system of Babylon who was corrupting the earth with her immorality. Uh, It says, uh, Hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever and the 24 elders, here it is again, and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. There, there again, they see the 24 uh, elders sitting enthroned in heaven and from which they watch and overthrow It's God overthrows the Babylonian system. So, I I say all that to say this. We can conclude anything here, it's this. It's clear, I think, to me, and I think it would be to you, if you could go through and check every place that the elders are mentioned, these 24 elders, that they do represent the church. The church, then, has been called up to heaven in the rapture, and they are there during all of the tribulation period as it goes on and from which the church watches the tribulation saints coming into glory, watches and hears the seventh angel sound, watches while the 144,000 are sealed, watches while God overthrows the Babylonian system that dominates the whole time of the tribulation period. And so I think we see these 24 elders and have reason to think with as good of a clarification as we can possibly have that the 24 elders then aren't angels, They're not the nation of Israel. They uh, are not the multitude on earth during the time of tribulation, but most likely would represent the church. Folks, that's us. That's who we as true, genuine believers are at the time of the rapture are going to be. We're going to be represented by the 24 elders on 24 thrones. They represent the church. They are the new priesthood, as it were. They are the new kings and priests, as it were called in Revelation chapter 1. We as the church are represented in the 24 elders having been called up to glory. That is exciting to me. I love to see this. I love to read about this. So now I want to take it back all the way to verse 5, and I want to continue further. And from the throne proceeds flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. We've already looked at the rainbow that was around the throne, the 24 elders, and from the throne you see the flashes uh, and peals of, of lightning. So remember, from the throne means from God Himself. And so, what I think we see here uh, that from the throne is is uh, it's like one writer says it's it's like a reverent way of referring to God. He is the throne. He is the temple. He is on the throne. Yeah, we can't make sense of that. Just like you can't make sense of the Trinity. So, what's the point here? What's the point of telling us about the lightning and the sounds of peals of thunder? Well, first thing I want to say is you can't always analyze every single aspect or word of the book of Revelation. But we know from this that one of the main points is that judgment is is, is, is about to happen. The point is that in a judgment mode, uh, god this is what God is. He is at the point of judgment, and judgment is coming out of him in chapter 8, verse 5. It talks about the angel who took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar, threw it through the earth, and it followed with peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. Now, you see, in what happens in Revelation chapter 8, verse 5, is on earth. I think what John is seeing here is the commotion in heaven, thus, the name of my title this week, a commotion in heaven. John is seeing the commotion and how all of this develops from heaven and is actually taken straight down to the earth. And we're not going to see this until we get to Revelation chapter 8, verse 5. From an earthly perspective, we're going to see how this actually is judgment coming straight out of God all the way down to earth. And then you find chapter 11, verse 19. The temple of God which is in heaven was opened. And the Ark of His Covenant appeared in His temple. And here it is. There were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder and an earthquake and a great hailstorm. Uh, it's, a, it's a very similar thing that is happening here. There's a similar vision as John again sees heaven and sees the lightning and the flashes. The seventh angel sounds and pours out his bowl. And so we can see that this is actually a preview. It's a commotion in heaven of what is going to be an explosion upon the earth as we see it unfolding beginning in chapter 8, going through 11, and going through other places that we're going to see. It isn't the thunder and the lightning men are used to. It's the thunder and the lightning of the fury of God, not the fury of nature. I know we always say Mother Nature, but this is God himself. We wouldn't be surprised at this. You can go all the way back to the book of Exodus and see God manifesting himself. <coughs> I think in, uh, I think it was chapter 18 or chapter 19 of Exodus where God was revealing himself. Thunder, lightning, flashes, thick cloud, loud trumpet sound. Uh, everybody trembled. And so here you see John coming from the throne, evidences of the same judgment. So this is prophetic then of the firestorm uh, of righteous fury about to come upon the ho- from the holy throne onto a sinful world, you are now at the beginning to see the commotion in heaven as God moves into action, and what is going to begin to be unleashed upon the earth, and that is where we are off and running. And then I want you to see, so it's not just flashes of lightning and peals of thunder. There's also seven lamps of fire burning. Now we covered this somewhat in chapter one, but so what do you have? The throne. You have the seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which, before God. And we come to the throne and we see something else. Uh, and we see this uh, uh, seven lamps of fire burning. The, this is not a lamp stand. We saw that in chapter 1. This is like torches. I think one writer says this is like a torch that is used outdoors. So said John sees seven torches of light burning. They're burning around God himself. Well, what is it? He tells us it's the seven spirits of God. And this is a way that the book of Revelation and also Isaiah and and Zechariah speak of the Holy Spirit. These are not lamps burning and giving off a soft, gentle light indoors. These are fierce, blazing torches that represent the complete fullness of the Holy Spirit here in fury also. So the seven spirits of God have been mentioned um, Way back in chapter 1, we talked about this as Isaiah eleven two talks about this. When Isaiah 11 says, And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. And then it says, The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, The Spirit of counsel and strength and knowledge and the fear of God. <coughs> so you count these up. And here's how you count them. Because I've had people say, Well, I only see six. But no, there's seven. He is the Spirit of the Lord. That's the first designation found in verse 2 of Isaiah. And then it says, he's the, number one, he's the Spirit of the Lord. Number two, the Spirit of wisdom. Number three, the Spirit of understanding. Number four, the Spirit of counsel. Number five, the Spirit of strength. Number six, the Spirit of knowledge. And number seven, the Spirit of fear or reverence. There you have the complete fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now, why he designates him, or if this is exactly what they had in mind when they're saying the seven spirits, we can't be so dogmatic. But Zechariah chapter 4 covers almost the same thing, and so we're led to believe that perhaps it is. Isaiah speaks of these seven, and then uh, Zechariah speaks of the power of the sevenfoldness, or the completeness of the Holy Spirit. But then I want you to notice how verse... Five, ends with the seven spirits of God, and then it goes into verse 6. And verse 6, again, is an interesting way that this presents this. And I want you to notice something. Look at what it says in chapter 4, verse 6. Not chapter 6. Chapter 4, verse 6. And before the throne, watch the wording here. There was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. The language here is a bit... Uh, Elusive before the throne, as it were, like, well, it was and it wasn't. A sea of glass like crystal. Now, you hear a lot of people talk about a sea here. This is not a sea. This is a sea of glass. It's a uh, metaphorical, means it's a metaphor. John saw at the base of the throne was crystal glass. It's very important to note here that... Revelation chapter 21 says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. So one verse cannot contradict any other verse of the Bible. (coughs) And if it does, then you've got your interpretation wrong of the verse. But I want you to notice it says, as it were. It's not a sea, but it's like a sea. In other words, it is a metaphor comparing it to the sea. So, Revelation says there is no sea. What John saw here was not a sea. There is a river, but not a sea. What he saw was crystal glass like a sea. On the throne sits God. And what we, I think, John is is doing here, and I can't imagine being in John's situation or Ezekiel's situation. And we've, we've last week we looked at Ezekiel, and this next time we're going to spend a lot of time in Ezekiel's chapter 1 looking at heaven. But I can't imagine, given the privilege of just seeing even a glimpse of heaven, and then coming back and trying to describe what you see. I, I don't know, you would be limited to your own vocabulary, first of all. But second, trying to uh, describe something that is indescribable. When he saw the crystal glass like a sea, I think he's talking about the uh, reflection, the reflection ref- refracting the presence of God through this translucence, or this diamonds. And it's like a almost like a sea of diamonds or crystals, rubies or emerald, like the rainbow represented. And then at the very base of the throne is this crystal glass reflecting. This, like an imaginable prism if that could be possible contained in the light of God in other words how do you describe seeing the glory of God reflecting on this base of the throne which is like glass uh, bouncing off of it I can't imagine trying to describe that this is the pavement of the crystal on which the throne of God sits I guess it's probably just indescribable. Back in Exodus chapter 24, uh, Moses uh, went up with Aaron and a few others and the 70 of the elders of Israel and they saw the God of Israel. Listen to this, how they describe it. And under his feet there appeared to be a pavement, a sapphire, as clear as the sky itself. You hear that? That's how they described it with their limited vocabulary. Uh, under his feet itself. And they're describing the very same thing, a pavement, crystal clear, yet sapphire. Yes, because what comes from God is blazing light and fiery red, the color of sapphire. Ezekiel chapter 1 describes the same thing on this base. He says, there is a base under God's throne. He says, it's the color of awesome, dazzling crystal stretched across the sky. It's absolutely consistent. All of these are talking about what John sees here in Revelation chapter 4. And so there is a magnificent crystal base. Heaven is not a world of shadows, as one writer puts it. Heaven is not a world of mist. It's a world of just unbelievable beauty and And reflecting of God's glory through everything. Through the jewels, through the crystal, beyond anything we could ever describe or ever imagine. This is God in all his glory. And God in this, as we are seeing the commotion that is in heaven, in Revelation chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. This is God in all of his glory, uh, getting ready to pour out his fury, God's Uh, glorious, beautiful, majestic, sovereign, powerful, and holiness filled with the wrath that only could come from God. So as we look on the throne, around the throne, as we look all around what John sees before God himself, the one thing I think stands out for me is that the very first thing God allows John to see, and I think he recognizes this, that there is about to be a mass confusion on the earth as judgment breaks out. But John is seeing how heaven is preparing, how heaven is getting ready, how there is just a commotion, there's a busyness. as God is getting ready to unleash his fury upon the earth. And so as we look at this, we can't help but stop and, and just ask ourselves, what is heaven really going to be like? Isn't it amazing that God, the only, thing, only reason we know anything about heaven is because God is allowing us to see this. God is allowing us to read this. All the way back in chapter 1 of Revelation chapter 1, it says that blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy heed the things which are written in it for the time is near. Man, if there's one thing that needs to be stressed during this time of where? Confusion upon the earth. Uh, where evil is running rampant. Uh, decisions are the most foolish decisions I've ever seen being described by our own country. and Things are happening so fast. It's like the world is getting set. The stage is being set. The players are coming into position For the tribulation period to begin. (coughs) I know I keep hearing all kinds of predictions. But the fact is folks. We're not going to know the day or the day. We're not going to know when it starts. Sure we can know the season. We can know how bad it's going to be. But I I just tend to think. You know it's so much worse now. Than when I first began to do prophecy conferences. uh, uh, Single adult conferences. We're using prophecy as the theme. Back in the 90s. Man, prophecy has changed so much. The world has changed. Uh, Our our country has gone even further down as we have begged God to leave us alone. And so what has God done? He has given us our desire. He's left us alone. This is what Romans chapter 1 verses 18 to 32 speaks of as abandonment wrath. And I I think we are seeing the evidence of it now. We are close. The time is near. It's, fine. it's time for us to pay attention and to be ready. I encourage you to read and to stay with the book of Revelation. Read ahead, study it, see, what, see how God blesses you. Blesses your life because you're spending daily time with Him in the Word of God. Thank you again for joining us with Hope for the Heart. We'll see you next time.